all, you can't really talk about the early second wave of the women's movement without talking about This is a WLRN extended interview. Greetings. Welcome to the show. This is Jenna. Just wanted to give the listener a heads up about the song you will hear at the end of the program today. It is directly related to the subject of the interview, so Thistle wanted it played. But the singer is male. Just wanted to prepare you for this very rare exception when WLRN chooses to air a male voice. Okay, enjoy the show. Greetings, and welcome to WLRN. This is Thistle Pedersen. In my interview with Tiffany DeBartolo, you will hear us discuss her approach to writing fiction and what it was like to write in the first person from the perspective of a male character for her new novel, Sorrow, just released last month. It's an interesting interview about a book that cannot be characterized as feminist, but yet is compelling as a story, with layers of meaning, art, music, and nature woven throughout. All right, welcome to WLRN, Tiffany. I uh, have you here to talk about your book release, Sorrow. Congratulations on that. And yeah, so um, reading from the back of the book, uh, it says that you are the author of God Shaped Whole, How to Kill a Rock Star and Grace, the Jeff Buckley story. And now, coming from you, you are releasing Sorrow, a poignant story about friendship and love, art and music, and how these pursuits can save us from ourselves. So welcome to the show, Tiffany. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Awesome. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, where you're from, what your career as a music executive has been like in the decidedly male-dominated world of the music business and anything else about yourself you'd like our listeners listeners to know. Sure. Well, I'm originally from a very small town in Ohio, a town so bad Bruce Springsteen wrote a song about it. Um, and then I moved to uh, California to go to Berkeley um, for college and never went back to Ohio. I was a full-time writer for about 10 years, originally started writing screenplays and then got into novels. Um, and then sort of on a lark started a, an indie record label about 15 years ago. Um, so been doing that full time and writing full time, um, since then. And yeah, you know, it's interesting being a woman working in the, um, in the music industry. The best way I could describe it is by saying that, there's a lot of mansplaining that goes on and a lot of uh, a lot of me saying, yes, I already know that. Thank you. I already know that. <laughs> mm. OK, so you what about your record company? Is there an equal number of men and women working in that record company or are there more women Right now we have an we we are actually skewed one extra woman to men um which I'm very proud of and um but you know it's a it's a group of very open-minded and um modern thinkers so so in within our company um it's it's a pretty wonderful environment um it's once we get out outside and out into the the real world of 
sort of uh, major labels and what have you where um, things can get a little weird sometimes. Mm -hmm. So and you're also an author, and that's what we're on the line today to talk about because you just this lovely book that I got to read ahead of time called Sorrow. Can you um, tell us what inspired you to write Sorrow? Sure. Well, originally, um, the idea for the story came to me um, through a song. Um, I'm super inspired by music in my writing. And so um, one of my favorite bands is this band called The National. And um, they have a song called Pink Rabbits. And I was listening to the song one day and a a whole entire scene sort of it conjured up a whole scene in my head. And I, I went home and started writing it down. And that was sort of the beginning of Sorrow. Mm-hmm. And you chose to have a male character as your main character, actually two main characters that are male characters and the narrator, you know, it's written in the first person. The narrator Harp is kind of a typical guy in some ways, especially for a millennial. He's he's a little bit, you know, alienated and yet very into music Describe describe the male character of Harp and why you chose to write a, a book having a narrator in the first person be a male character. Well, it's interesting because my first two novels were the majority of them were written first person um, female perspective. Um, so I was interested in writing sort of standing in the shoes of a, of a male character for a couple years and seeing what the world looked like through his eyes. Um, but I will say that um, when I started writing the book, I was originally writing in the main female character's point of view. And I got a few chapters in and I realized that um, if I continued through um, this, if I continued the story through her eyes, nobody was going to understand Harp. And it felt important to me that he be understood and that we understand what was going on inside of him. And so I ended up switching um, perspectives. And if I were going to describe him, I would describe him as a really sensitive man um, who doesn't really know where to put all that sensitivity um, in, in the world in which he lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, you know, I've heard through the years in doing feminism that there's often this idea that men who are sensitive, um, and are not performing masculinity the way that they are expected to, um, kind of get shafted in society and they also are suffering from gender roles. And would you describe Harp as a a man that's suffering from his masculine gender role that's assigned to him? And he just, you know, he wants to play music. He wants to be in the woods connected to nature. It's not really, he's not like into hunting in the woods. He, he's very spiritual, you know. Yes, he's definitely not watching football on Sundays. I'll, I'll say that. And I, I really 
Um, I, it was a beautiful thing to stand in his shoes and see the world through his eyes for that reason, because I really did recognize him as somebody who struggled with what it meant to be a man, um, given where he came from and, and sort of the, the masculine father that he had. But just having all of, you know, all of this softness inside of him that he wanted to explore. And I think I think the way he explored that was through music and through connecting with nature and um, and and through love. Um, and I think I think that's something that I, I mean, I've gotten a lot of emails and letters from men who've read the book and have really responded to that and sort of connected with that aspect of, of his character in terms of um, it making them feel less alone in, in their sensitivity, which I love. Is this a book written for men or written for women? I mean, I, I don't write for men or for women. I just tell stories and whoever, whoever connects with them connects with them. But I certainly hope that, um, that men will appreciate and love this story as much as women do. I mean, I think generally my, my readers are, tend to be more women than men, but, um, I don't want to limit to them. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so Harp is, is real sensitive, but he's also kind of an asshole, you know, like he, I don't, I don't want to give the story away. It's a great story. And I love, all of the art that's intermixed, like the symbolism of the the cage and at the art show that um, he made. And I mean, it's really, um, there are many layers to the story itself. And so when you said that about being a storyteller and not necessarily, you know, writing for men or for women, but just because you've got a story to tell, yeah. that really resonates. But yet, I, I want to point out that Harp, be, because we're a feminist radio station and, you know, you you call yourself a feminist, um, Harp does kind of have some asshole tendencies in <laughs> yes. his character. Um, what 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 and and his best friend as well that are that I would say are kind of like typical male behaviors. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, sure. Well, and I, I agree with you, although I will say that. Um, I felt like as I was being harp, you know, as I, I always feel like when I'm writing a character from the first po person point of view that I'm sort of, I am them, you know, it's kind of like an actor stepping into a role. And so I, I, I believe that I feel what they feel and I, I try to, um, understand where they're coming from. And for me, what I saw in Joe that, you know, from the outside looking in, it's, I, I, I say, yeah, you're right. He was such an asshole. And that, that is mainly the reason why I chose to write from his point of view, because imagine what a bigger asshole he would have looked like if we only saw him from October's point of view. But, um, <laughs> but I also really connected to his humanity and felt like I, I, I could forgive him for his, his assholeness because it, it came from a place of um, of insecurity and of trauma, really trauma and abandonment and insecurity. And um, and it was so interesting for me to explore that and and find so much compassion for him because of that. 
Mm-hmm. So if if you're not writing for men or women and you're really you're writing to tell a story, is there a purpose to this story? Is is there something is there like an underlying message that you'd like readers to hear? Um, I think for me, what would be meaningful that readers take away from this story is connecting to Joe in a way that um, that re- that connects them to their own humanity and makes people makes them feel less alone. You know, I, I feel like my favorite kinds of art, whether it be book or a song, it's something that makes me feel less alone and. Um, if I could do that for somebody reading a book, um, that, that means a lot to me. Um, and I also feel like there's, there's an aspect to the theme of this book of, of just really taking a look at your life and, um, finding your courage. You know, I think, I think that a lot of people don't follow, their hearts. They don't listen to their hearts. And that's what gets them into trouble. And that's what sort of turns people into assholes really is just is not not doing what your soul is begging for you to do. And and so if anything, I hope that people read this book and ask themselves if they're listening to their the voice in their soul and 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 following that, because um, I think it's I think it's a good way to live. Yeah. Definitely. You are listening to WLRN. Is there a favorite scene that you'd like to describe for our listeners in the book? There's so many um, with all the art that's intertwined with the, the plot line and the story. Um, do you have a favorite scene? Um, you know, one of my favorite scenes in the book is the scene um, after the night of the, the birdcage exhibit um, where uh, Joe sort of realizes what the exhibit was about and he goes over to October's house and they talk about it. Um, I don't know what it is about that scene that really moves me. And I think my other favorite scene in the book is the scene where, well, actually I can't say it's a, it's a, it's a spoiler alert. My other one, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but yeah, I, I love, I, I love that scene about the birdcage a lot because discovering, um, what that, what that exhibit meant to Joe was something that I discovered as the writer of the story, as he was discovering it, which seems kind of unbelievable, but, um, you know, I, I don't plot things out when I'm writing and, and I discovered that when he discovered that. And so it really moved me, um, to, to see the connection between what she did and what it meant to him and, and, and ultimately what her intention was with that piece. Mm hmm. Were you at all thinking about Kate Chopin's book, The Awakening, her novel, uh, that uh, the the book starts with a scene of a bird in the cage and it's it's a symbol for the woman, uh, a woman being like a caged bird. Were you at all thinking about that book? Because that's kind of a neat, um, you know, thing that that I see 
connected out there in the universe. I don't know that. I don't know that book, but I'm going to read it now because I'm really intrigued. I was actually, I had just recently read, reread Maya Angelou's um, The Why the Cage Bird Sings. I can't remember the exact name Mm -hmm. of that, but um, uh, so that was sort of on my mind when I was uh, writing about that 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 exhibit. Yeah, you should definitely read The Awakening. It's uh, every feminist should. It's about a woman who it it was written back in the 18 I think like 1880s or something like that. So Wow. It's a very old book um but you know about a woman who's like a kept woman and she's got a soul and she has passion and she wants to you know be expressive but she really she can't and so she's like this kept bird in a cage with her wings clipped you know and you know that that symbolism was definitely um somewhat present in the the scene that you were just describing especially when when um joe or harp realizes you know that he had created this cage and (laughs) um so Is there anything else you would like to say about, Sarah, why should radical feminists and lesbian feminists read this book? Um, That's a good question. Um, I mean, again, I think it all comes down to this idea of um, connecting our humanity to the humanity of others and, and feeling that connection. And I think that's what all art does. And, um, you know, I, it's something that I strive for in my work and that I look for in, in art um, and just hope that people get from, from this book. I definitely got a warm feeling from it um, and some real cold feelings from <laughs> it, too, when, when Harp was out of touch with his feelings and making bad decisions, you know. Yes. Um, <laughs> but... You know, in terms of like radical feminism and lesbian feminism, let's talk about October, the the female character. Um, In what ways is she a feminist and and in what ways is she maybe not a feminist? Well, I think one of the things that I saw in her um, was like this. um, She sort of represents to me the divine feminine. this kind of like powerful sort of goddess character. Um, of course, you know, we're seeing her through Joe's eyes. So to me, that's, that's sort of how he sees her. Um, and I, I think she's a very independent, um, woman. I think that she does her own thing. I think that she doesn't, um, fall into a lot of typical woman sort of, uh, categories. But I also think that, um, she has moments of also being, what's the word? Um, I mean, you know, her, her weaknesses sort of shine here and there as well. I don't even, Mm -hmm. it's hard. I find her hard to describe. Um, Interestingly enough, because I didn't write from her point of view. Um, And so I feel like I only see her as Joe saw her. And do you feel that he put her up on a pedestal? 
Yes, of course. Okay. And to to me, that's kind of a tip, typical patriarchal dynamic. You know, yeah. like the woman is, is she's holy, she's, she's grand and she's up on this pedestal, but that like Ruth Bader Ginsburg talks about that pedestal actually is oppressive yes. towards women. So um, how is this relationship between Joe and October different than that? Um, well, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's hard to say, cause I think it's, it's to me, it's hard to separate characters from it's hard to it's hard for me to take them out of the story and analyze them because that's something that as a writer I try not to do Mm -hmm. um, while I'm writing the book um, because I find that if I do that I'm judging them and if I'm judging them I'm um, controlling their behavior Um, but I do think that October has a certain sort of um, I, 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 I find that she has a certain sort of power um, in the book, given her connection to art and to love. Like I, I see her as someone who, um, oh gosh, it's just so hard to describe. Like she would have been fine. She, 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 she's independent. I mean, there, I don't want to be a give, give away parts (laughs) of the plot either. And so, um, you know, spoiler alert, but you know, she, life goes on. She doesn't completely, she's not completely, she would have been okay by herself. Yes. Right. She's a strong woman. She has her own career. She's, you know, she's um, expressive of herself. She has a strong sense of self. But yet, as you say, she's being seen through Joe's eyes. And I noticed, you know, that she would wear very feminine clothing and he would notice her clothing. And there were lots of descriptions of how she looked and she looks very feminine and sexy. And it's because it's, you know, these descriptions are through Joe's eyes, basically. Right. right. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting. And I like what you're saying. It's like you can't overthink things. And they're real people. Yeah. They're not they're not, you know, um, feminist theorists and intellectuals deconstructing everything. They're they're experiencing life as as characters, as people. And um you you know you do that as a as an an author of fiction you right. allow the character to just unfold yeah so um but you know being a radical feminist radio station i <laughs> i feel like i need to ask these questions i mean i recommend the book to our listeners because it's just so beautiful there's just oh, there's you. just so much texture to it it's just a joy it's a joy to read the descriptions and everything um, and all one the art. I, one thing I will say too is that's been really interesting with this book that um, you may be interested in is just how many, like every single interview I've done about this book, male or female, asking the questions 
they've all asked me, how hard was it? You're the only person actually, by the way, who hasn't asked me this question. How difficult was it to write from the point of view of a man? Um, you know, and I, my first instinct is to get so angry about that and just say, you know, did anyone ever ask Tolstoy like, oh, wasn't it really hard to be Anna Karenina? I bet not, you know? Um, right. It's just such a funny thing that people think it's so strange that a woman could write from the point of view of a man. Mm-hmm. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. Well, congratulations on the release of Sorrow. It's a beautiful book. Is there anything else you'd like to say before we um, sign off? Not really. Just that I really appreciate your time and, um, and your questions, and it was great to talk to you. Still on. 
That was Pink Rabbits by the band The National, a favorite song of my guest on today's show, Ms. Tiffany DeBartolo, music executive and author. Thanks for tuning in to my interview with Tiffany DeBartolo, author of the recently released novel Sorrow, a work of fiction about art, music, friendship, love, and redemption. Thanks for staying tuned to WLRN, your feminist volunteer-powered radio station. I'm Thistle Patterson, signing off for now.